Welcome to Quilting Business Success, the podcast where we interview quilters just like you who have turned their passion for quilting into a profitable long-arm quilting business. I'm your host, Andrew Weaver, and in each episode, we'll bring you stories of quilters who have the same doubts and fears that every quilter has when they think about pursuing their quilting dreams. But these quilters moved forward anyway, despite their fears, and today, you'll hear their stories. All right, I've gone ahead and hit the start button. That will let some people in. Um, Recently, if it helps to um, make you a little more comfortable, recently we've had an average of about 25 or 30 people come. So you don't have to feel like you're in front of an audience of thousands. We're just regular people here having a conversation. Um, uh, Janice. uh, Yes. Janice McLaren. I, we've not met before, so I'm going to go ahead and start with you. We're going to take up to, you know, we'll take around half an hour. That's about how long it takes to kind of uh, quiz you about your life. And then we'll okay. uh, switch gears and uh, finish up with Dottie. And so you get off the hot seat for a minute, Dottie. Okay. <laughs> so Janice, I'll start with you. Um Where is home for you? What part of the country are you in? I am in um, Alito, Illinois, which is about half an hour from the Quad Cities, if you're familiar with that, from Moline, Illinois, Davenport, Iowa. So is this a pretty rural area then? Yes. Okay. Farm community. The town's about 3,600 people. I've done some um, preventative maintenance service calls on gamble machines in that area. And I could always tell when I was getting close to the lady's house, because it would switch from paved to gravel and then to dirt. And then I knew I was getting close. (laughs) So um, how long have you been long arm quilting? 16 years. Okay. So if you do, let's see. 2007. 2007. Okay. Well, when you put it that way, it doesn't seem that long ago. (laughs) (laughs) What made you decide to get into long arm quilting? Well, there were a couple reasons. Um, First of all, I'd had some quilts done by other quilters. And I was a little less impressed than I could have been. And although the one was really nice, but it took me a year and a half to get it back. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, that's ridiculous. People shouldn't have to wait a year and a half to have a quilt done. I remember waiting four months for the first quilt I ever had done. And then uh, the other reason was I wanted to get out of the day job. I wanted to do this full time, mm-hmm. but I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still working the day job. So my next question, that kind of leads right into it. Um did you get your long arm specifically to do a business or was quilting for others more of a way to finance your fabric obsession? I wanted it to be a full-time business. Okay. Yep. Why did you decide to get the Gamble machine? Obviously there's a lot of brands of machines out there. Um, I thought the quality was better than some of the others, the lesser expensive ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you're going to count on the machine for everyday use, that that's important. Mm-hmm. Um, 
what model did you start with? Was it a hand-guided machine or computerized? It's hand-guided Classic Plus, and that's still what I'm using. Everything I okay. do is hand-guided. Uh-huh. Um, how, how did you know there was enough long-arm business in your area to support? Is it because you had to wait a year and a half for that quilt to be done? That was part of it, yeah. Um, I didn't. There was another quilter in, in town here when I started. But um, I figured I would soon enough have enough business that it would be okay. And it was. And she quit a few years after I'd started. Mm -hmm. So how did you find the customers to grow your business from, from zero? Obviously, the first day that you had it delivered, you were your only customer. Right. Um, mostly word of mouth. It, it didn't take very long. And, and I, you know, the first year I would say it was just practice for the most part on my own product projects and a couple for family. Um, I didn't feel comfortable doing someone else's right away. Mm -hmm. it, it took a while for me to be comfortable doing it. Mm -hmm. I've often thought that if you had a dream of wanting to, play music at people's weddings and you were going to make money doing that, you can buy yourself a piano or a guitar or something, but nobody's going to pay you to play for a while because you're going to have to practice and you're going to have to get good before you can perform on command, you know, and I know a long arm is not exactly the same as learning to play a musical instrument, but it's not that different either. It takes hours of practice with a hand guided machine. Anything you need to learn takes practice. Mm -hmm. And I'm still practicing. <laughs> how, how many quilts would you say that you did of your own before you were willing? I mean, this is a guess, right? But before you took a customer's quilt, how many did you do? I I can't remember. I, I mean, maybe 10. Mm -hmm. Not a lot. But it is a whole different thing rather than doing it on your domestic machine. Right. The reason I ask that is that a lot of people underestimate how long it'll take to be proficient. And a lot of people overestimate how long it'll take to become proficient. And I think part of what makes it hard to judge that is that there's a rapid improvement at the very beginning of starting something like this. Um, imagine, I don't know, let's take a musical instrument again. Imagine learning to play the piano from zero right? You'll have rapid improvement for your first three months or six months. But at a certain point, you kind of more or less top out unless you're, what I'm trying to say is the amount of improvement on a high-end pianist from age 30 to age 35 is probably minimal, right? Because they right. kind of already hit the limit of what they can do. And so I think people often don't realize if you did 10 or Let's say your estimate is wrong, and let's say you did 20 quilts before you were willing to take customers. I think a lot of people would be surprised to hear that, that you were good enough to not absolutely wreck somebody's quilt after just 10. <laughs> well, I will say it took me seven years to learn how to do feathers. Mm. I'm still learning. Which I Yeah. I mean, and every time I do them, it's like, okay, just relax and you can do this, and, but you still have to constantly think about it 
And, you know, it's, it's a struggle sometimes, mm-hmm. even though I've done it for a long time, it's still difficult some days to make sure it's going to look good. So from when you took your first customers, uh, which was about a year into it, um, finding the other customers, you said it was basically word of mouth, the quilter grapevine. I did do some newspaper advertising at the time because newspapers were still a thing. They were. Um, <laughs> I I did uh, a local, there's a huge event here in town um, in the summer. And so I did set up a booth there. I had some things for sale and a lot of quilts that you know showed what I could do. That got some attention. I also set up a booth at the local quilt guild quilt show one year because there are a lot of quilters coming in from other areas. Mm-hmm. So that gave me some exposure. Did you feel like there was anything that was a barrier or that was in the way of your ability to do whatever you wanted to do in your business? Um, no. I mean, just the, the time factor, having enough time to do it mm. as much as I want to. Hmm. Yeah. It's amazing how, when you don't quilt, the quilts don't get done. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When there's and it, a house to take care of and a yard and, you know, family responsibilities, it's, it's hard. Yeah. And though it's amazing that when you call somebody four days after she drops off the quilt top and you say, okay, I got it done, come pick it up. And then she shows up with what in her car? another top or two or three. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, how did you come up with the funds to purchase your machine? Well, I uh, took out a personal loan because I was not going to borrow the full amount. Um, I had some money in savings. I also had two kids at home that had savings. So I borrowed that money from them. How old were your Uh kids back then? They were in high school, two kids in high school and one in college. And I was a single parent when I started. Yeah. What did, what did they think? I'm very curious to see, to hear what high schoolers felt like when mom had this crazy idea. They didn't really care. I honestly don't think they did. Um, Mm. At that time, I used the living room because it was the biggest room in the house and I could get the machine in it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, that's the first thing you see when you walk in the front door and it was fine. They didn't, they didn't mind. Mm-hmm. They had their own things going on with school and such. So. Well, at that age, they're starting no to. Game. And I'd always sewn. I'd always been sewing and always had projects going on. So. Mm-hmm. This was just a little addition to all of that. Yeah. So how long did it take you to pay it off? You said you, you took, you know, personal, you borrowed money. I, I know I, the loan was for three years and I paid it off early, paid the kids back. Mm-hmm. Um, and the business even funded when the youngest one started college, she couldn't get enough student loans to go. So I took out a student loan in my name to help her get into college mm-hmm. and that, that those business funded that too. Mm-hmm. 
and I paid it off early, mm -hmm. which would have been difficult if I'd had to use my personal, you know, other income to do that. Yeah. So were you doing a, a regular nine to five type job at the same time as you were growing your quilting business? Yeah. Yeah. And um, how, how many hours per week would you say you spend quilting for others? It sound, sounded at the beginning like you were maybe retired or semi-retired from customer quilts. No? No. No. I'm still quilting for customers. Um, I probably spend 10 to 12 hours a week quilting. Okay. And how many quilts does that represent? Two or three? A week? Well... It's the level of quilting. So, you know, if you do a pantograph on it, for people who don't know, if you do a pantograph on a queen size quilt, you're done in a matter of a few hours, right. but, but custom quilting takes a lot longer. So with that, you know, 10 or 15 hours a week, how many quilts does that represent? It depends on whether it's a pantograph or custom. I have a custom quilt on the machine right now. I've got, probably 15 hours into it. It's been there for at least two weeks. Mm -hmm. And probably not even half done yet. Oh no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But she'll pay for it. Yep. Um, so that answers my next question as to whether you do only edge to edge or you offer custom quilting. Obviously you do custom people come to you custom. for that. I've done a lot of custom this year. Have you heard a lot of your customers say nobody else will do custom quilting? Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I get why it's so much easier and more profitable not to. Mm -hmm. At least if you're counting how much you make per hour. Yeah. Yeah. I had a lady um, on a previous interview who said that her approach is always to uh, whenever a custom quilting job is asked for, she'll present the customer with a quote for the custom quilting as discussed, you know, $1,200 or whatever the quote is. And then she'll also give her a quote for a very nice edge to edge job simultaneously. And mm -hmm. sometimes people rethink their idea that they wanted to have it custom quilted when they are looking at the two prices. And I thought that it was a really good idea because you would hate to have somebody given one option, which is just a yes or a no. And then they take the custom and maybe they didn't really feel comfortable with the price. Cause you know, it's a lot right. depending, depending on how much ruler work and how much stitch in the ditch and all that stuff. Right. Yeah. Um, I have a the custom I'm working on right now. It's all needle turned applique. You couldn't do an edge to edge on it if you wanted to. Mm -hmm. the, there's just too many layers of fabric. I'm sure it's a beauty. It's going to be pretty gorgeous when it's done. What would you say your total charge for an average queen size quilt is? And I think there we're referring to some type of an edge to edge. Um, just for the quiltings, probably 180 to 200. Mm -hmm. And then you also and sell batting. Would, and I do have batting. 
if they request that I do have batting also. Um, mm. It depends on whether a, a lot of times I have customers that bring in the backing. It's not squared up. It's not pressed. There's an extra fee for that. Mm -hmm. um, how would you say that you did as far as revenue or numbers of quilts in your worst year and then in your best year? It really, I know it's hard to say, but. Well, my best year was 2021. Um, we I had did, this convenient pandemic. Up. Yeah, <laughs> I, I did look it up. I did 30 quilts. And it's the most I've ever done. And it kind of put me over the edge. Because before the year was over, I told all my loyal customers, I'm taking next year off. I only did three quilts for customers in 22. Mm -hmm. um, we were doing some renovations on the house and I knew I couldn't do all of that and quilt for other people and be happy with the work I was doing. So. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people wish they could tell work, Hey, I need a month off. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I certainly can't do that at work. I can't just say, hey, I need the next month off. This has been too much. But with with being the boss, you can do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, would you be willing to give us an idea? I mean, obviously, 30 quilts, that's mostly custom quilts, or at least half custom quilts. No, most of it was pantographs. Oh, was it? Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um. Uh, let's see. Do you offer any other services for people like binding, piecing backings, piecing t-shirt quilts, all yep, that stuff? I do a lot of t-shirt quilts. Um, I've even done some custom projects. People have brought me things that they want made into a quilt, like antique linens. I've done that too. Uh, I do do binding either. Most of the time I do it by machine. If I finish a quilt, I will either stitch it to the front, let them hand stitch it to the back, or I will just finish the whole thing by machine. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, what was the hardest part of growing your business? Um, finding the time, making the time to do it, making um, connections with people. Um, And learning how to do the type of work that I wanted to do. Again, the practice was mm -hmm. so important. Mm -hmm. Did you go to um, in-person classes? Did you watch YouTube videos? How There's books. How did you mostly develop your skills? Um, mostly YouTube or watching some of the best quilters in the world do things on Facebook or Instagram. Um, I did take some classes at machine quilters shows. At the show. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I did yep. that one year. I took, I think five or six classes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You got to do what you can. It's a little can. bit overwhelming. I mean, <laughs> there's, there's some, 
incredible artists out there that have a lot of artistic ability before they even started quilting. And I have, I don't have that. <laughs> I am not, I cannot draw or, you know, the things that I draw when I'm practicing quilting looks horrible. But once I start working on the fabric, it's okay. <laughs> Mm -hmm. It all turns out good, but my drawing is horrible. You know, I had people tell me many times that, uh, that, you know, just hold your pencil like this and move it like this. And it's like practice for running a quilting machine. That's absolute hogwash because (laughs) the machine has mass, it has weight. And so when you swing it through Mm -hmm. a curve, assuming everything is set up right and the table's level and the wheels are perfect and there's no cords getting hung up on anything. Right. A lot of things have to be right, but when it is right and you swing it through that arc, the mass of the machine smooths it out. And I've had a lot of people Mm -hmm. run a gamel who have had other lighter machines in the past. And they're like, wow, my quilting looks so much better because it's not, it's not, you know, jiggling. It's got more weight. Yeah. It's interesting. Um, and you have to learn to maneuver that way too. Oh yeah. It's, it's, it's just completely different from holding a pencil like this and, and moving it because mm-hmm. there's no mass to the pencil um, or a piece of chalk, chalk or whatever. Um, what, what's, well, I was going to go on to the next question, but you had mentioned um, finding time or making time to do the customer quilts Um, as a single mom for a lot of that time, was that a big part of it? Just you're being pulled in a lot of different directions. And when you had a chance to catch your breath, you didn't always feel like going to work. True. Um, But it was balancing the day job and everything at home. I mean, I, I found the time I did it. Mm-hmm. I don't regret any of it. I wish I were quilting full time right now, but um, that's not going to happen until I retire from the day job. <laughs> so, you know, I've come to terms with that. It's fine. And I'm doing what I can do now. Mm-hmm. I want to mention to anybody listening that we do have, there is a chat feature in our webinar. And um, I've got several more questions for Janice, but if you want to take a minute and type out a message um, in the chat, I should be able to see it and I'll pass it along. Um, What is uh, one change in technology that makes it easier today than it was when you started in 2007? Well, social media, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a lot easier to connect with people. They don't have necessarily have to have your phone number to reach you. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had a lot of people find me on Google, even, and mailed me quilts. I remember so. when I started a business at about that time, one of the early things that I did was I went to the local print shop and ordered up a box of business cards, you know, who uses business cards anymore. But at the (laughs) time, you know, you had to get 
your business card in people's hands yeah. and they would pass it to their friends. And of course now they like, and share the photo that you send them of their quilt. And that's yeah. how, that's how it works. Um, during the period when you were growing your business at the very beginning, who was your biggest cheerleader in your support system for doing this? Um, I got married, remarried two years after I started. And so my husband's been my biggest cheerleader. He kind awesome. of jumped right in and he knew nothing about quilting, <laughs> but he would talk to anybody that would listen about my business and what I do. So. So if he heard, awesome. if he heard about quilt, anything, he'd be like, Oh, you got to take your quilt oh, to yeah. my wife. She'll yeah. make it beautiful. Exactly. Awesome. Um, what kind of impact has the quilting money and the control of your personal schedule made in your life? Well, like I said, the, the quilting money, it, it helped put my daughter into college. Um, there's been a lot of things. We've done a lot of work on the house and uh, been able to take a vacation every year and, you know, just have that kind of freedom where not having that a little bit of extra money would let, let us do. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Um, what is something that you wish someone would have told you when you first started? Um, to keep better records. Mm. I, I have everything on paper. I don't have a computer program that tracks everything. Um, also, um, how I, I wish I'd known how to better deal with some of the quilting issues that customers have as far as wavy borders and um, piecing skills that are really difficult to deal with. I had one quilt that was mailed to me. The seams were not even, the, the seams were not even finished. They were like raw edge on the top of the quilt. Yeah. And yes, you could see the batting through it. It was unreal. I'd never seen anything like that before. So. This is either an eight-year-old or a 98-year-old, right? Please no. tell me. Oh, no. man. <laughs> I did the best I could with it. Yeah. Yeah. I, that... I know. And even I have trouble piecing sometimes, you know, and getting things square. And, you know, I, I'm guilty too. But I, I just... <laughs> wonder sometimes how to deal with those kinds of issues. Yeah. I've had people tell me before that they had a top that showed up that they basically had to just take it all apart and stitch it back together. And <laughs> then you figure out how to handle it with the customer that you requilted their quilt. 
I mean, recreated the top out of the pieces that they gave you. Yikes. Um, so what advice would you give to somebody who wants to do like you did and, uh, and get a machine and start quilting like you did? What would you tell them? And do you believe that in this year, 2023, that it's still possible for somebody to do what you've done? Oh, sure it is. Um, but I would tell them that they need to keep really good records about what they're spending, what they're charging. Um, at first, I didn't have like an intake form or anything like that for the customer. I do now. Mm -hmm. So that they know what to expect. Um, and the other hard thing is customers bring you a quilt. They really don't know what they want mm -hmm. sometimes. Almost all the time, right? Almost all the time. Yeah. They're like, oh, just do what you want. Well, that's hard when you've got to figure out what's best for their quilt. That's a lot of responsibility. Yeah. But tell me, Janice, how does it work out when they come to pick it up? Oh, it's fine. It's fine. But it, you know, you have to process that and worry about it. And then, <laughs> you know, it, it's a lot. I and mean, it's a lot of things to deal with. Mm -hmm. It's not always that easy just to put it on the machine and do it. It's, yeah, there's a lot of process beforehand, before the actual work. It strikes me that you're the hyper conscientious type of person. And so you can't casually say, well, I'll just do a, you know, leaves and just make the quick decision to do leaves just as if you had flipped a coin, you mm -hmm. know, just because you're going to think about it a lot. So I had a question from, um, Lorna, she asked whether your machine was computerized. She might've come in a little bit later. So the answer there is you have a hand guided, uh, it's a Gamel classic plus or optimum plus classic plus classic plus. Okay. So that's a 26 inch machine. It's stitch yep. regulated. So you yes. can do constant speed or with the stitch regulator and it's got horizontal and vertical electronic channel locks. So actually pretty fully featured for a machine that's getting close to 20 years old, but even today it's um, heck of a machine. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And it is, everything I do is hand guided. That's, that's a lot of time involved in doing quilts. I envy the people that have upgraded or have a Statler. It would make life a little bit faster, a little bit easier. Except you it'll, have to learn the programming. <laughs> it would blow the doors open on your creativity. I promise you. Um, people are always astounded at how quick it is to learn the computer. I don't blame them for being fearful because the unknown is terrifying. But uh, get a hold of me sometime when we're not on a webinar, and I'll do a virtual uh, demo of the software for you. Let you see how it works. And maybe more importantly, I'll take you on a tour through our new owner training portal so you can see where all the classes are organized and how how we address everything, even how to handle those uh, wavy borders and those customers that have challenges. <laughs> Things have changed a lot. <laughs> um, 
those resources are there for people now. Um, if anybody has any other questions for Janice, she's going to stay on with us. Um, so feel free. You can still type those questions in on my screen. It calls it a Q&A, but then there's also something called a webinar chat. I don't know. Me and technology, I can usually figure <laughs> it out eventually. So we'll switch gears and I'll kind of grab some similar questions and answers from Dottie. So Dottie, you know now what you're in for. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> so where's home for you? St. Louis. St. Oh, Louis, really? Missouri. Yeah. Okay. Just across the across the state. Yep. Can you see the arch from where you are? No, I am in South St. Louis County. Okay. Well, there's also a lot of trees in Missouri. Uh, yeah. So many trees that you may not be able to see very far. How long have you been long-arm quilting? Just about 12 years. Okay. So you started around 2010? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, I think, like 2011, 2010. I actually started with a different system than what I have now. It was okay. geared to using your domestic machine on a frame. Um, with very basic, basic, basic computerization. And I think I did two quilts and I was just very disappointed. Mm. Um, very limited. Um, not what I thought I was getting. And then I had the opportunity. I switched jobs. I actually worked for one of the Gamel dealerships that was around back then. And I got exposed to the Statler and it was love at first sight. So gotcha. I have a Statler. I purchased a four-year-old machine and it is as current as what you could buy now. I've had it mm -hmm. upgraded to the Ascend. Um, I've upgraded the computer, just really made sure I kept it as current as I could. Mm -hmm. And I love it. Cannot imagine having something different. Mm -hmm. So when you, when you got that earlier one, obviously um, you saw it at a show or. I, I have a degree in clothing and textile retailing. I've worked the better part of my adult life at sewing machine dealerships. So I worked at a dealership. We had a small, like about a four foot frame that it was on at the shop. And, mm -hmm. um, Never really had the time, nor the, there, it wasn't computerized. It was strictly hand-driven at the shop. So when I got the computerization home, it was just, it was primitive. And when gotcha. I think about it compared to a Statler, there's no comparison. Right, right. Um. So what made you decide to, to long arm? I mean, you, okay. So you got the first machine, obviously it was not good enough. You got the Statler, but what, what, what was the decision that, Hey, I'm going to start doing this. Just family situation. Um, I'm an, the only surviving child for a mom with dementia. And I knew I still needed some income coming in, but 
but I also knew I needed to be able to flex my time and to be able to drop everything and run over to her house and do whatever needed to be done. So it just gave me an opportunity to still have income, but to work the job around my life. Mm -hmm. If that makes Makes perfect sense. Yes. Yeah. Um. So then that kind of answers this question, which is, did you get your long arm specifically to do a business or was quilting for others more of a way for your hobby? It was definitely to do a business. Yep. Okay. So uh, I think you answered the next one too. Why did you choose to go with the gamble? Now you knew that the first one you got was obviously good enough to convince you to buy it, but not good enough to actually use. Correct. Um, so how, how did you land on the gamble? Cause there still was dozens of choices. I worked at the dealership and oh, yeah. I got to use the Statler. Um, the store was closed and I had a quilt that needed to be done. I, they were very generous that I could go in and do the, do my personal quilts, you know, when the shop was closed, the more right. I used it, the more I saw the possibilities Working in the dealership, I got to know other ladies that were currently long arming and it was viable for them. And they were probably my biggest cheerleaders in saying, you got this, go for it. Mm -hmm. So um, skipping a couple questions, because you've told me the answers to all those. <laughs> so you obviously knew there was enough long arm business in your town to support another quilter because yes. you were at the shop. You saw all these ladies and yes. they always had plenty of work to do. And mm -hmm. yeah. Um, how did you find customers? Word of mouth, friends, former coworkers. Um, one of the shop quilt shops here in town, they have my name on their list. And it never seems like there's a lack of customers, mm -hmm. but a lot of it is word of mouth. Um, and I feel like because of the background in retailing, I really stress customer service. Mm -hmm. um, so word of mouth cuts both ways. Yes. It, you know, a happy customer will tell one or two other people and it spreads. I mean, the quilter's grapevine is amazing. Oh, it is. <laughs> an unhappy customer will tell half the town. Yeah. So and I have been blessed because of stressing customer service, because of stressing quality that I have not had to deal with that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Good. Um. So how did you come up with the funds to purchase your machine? Um, I went to my husband and I said, there's 10 million reasons not to do this, but can we talk about this? We took out a personal loan. Okay. Yep. How long did it take you to get that paid back? It was a five-year note and I took the five years. Mm -hmm. So you looked at the interest and you're like, eh, we'll let it ride. Yeah. 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 It was um, a good business deduction. Sure. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of interesting uh, different treatments. Many people don't realize how many advantages there are in America to having a small business. Mm 
um, there are probably different ways that people try to cheat the system or something that I don't know about because I've never been able to find a tax break that seems like a loophole written for me. But there's a lot of things that when you are running a business and you drive, you know, 12 miles into town to the fabric store to um, pick up a load of quilts and drop off the ones that are done, you can certainly stop by Walmart while you're in town and fill up the gas tank and go home. And the 12 miles in and the 12 miles back is all written off because it's a legitimate business expense. And so a lot of times people don't realize that there's there's activities that they would already do anyway because you needed to go to Walmart, but because you um, did business, you know, at least those miles mm -hmm. get written yeah. off. I lived outside of town for a while and um, I, I had a pretty, you have to keep, keep your records, yes. but I had yeah. a real hefty um, reduction of my income from all those miles I drove. That's good from choosing to live out of town. Sorry, this is, not me preaching, but <laughs> you should always consult a, a professional on all those things. But there's a, there's a lot of um, very reasonable things that help. And when I started quilting, we made the decision at that point to go from doing our taxes by a, a program or ourselves to using an account. Mm -hmm. um, we made that decision right up front. And she actually was the wife of a friend of ours who was a professional accountant. She just didn't think I would be able to do it. She just couldn't imagine living off of quilting. And the first couple of years, she's like, I'm shocked. And she kind of, I don't want to say a crow, but she was amazed at the quilting community. And she was a hand quilter. Hmm. Yeah, that must have felt pretty good to see her going over your numbers. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, so uh, did you have another job uh, simultaneous with quilting or did you choose to just go right into full-time quilting? The first couple of years, I kept a part-time job just to make sure I could make that payment. Mm -hmm. And... With my situation with my mom and her having dementia and still being in her home, there came a point when it was like, okay, I need to stop the job. And I never looked back. It was never a question of, you know, being able to make the payment. I do the last, since COVID, I do probably about 150 quilts a year, primarily edge to edge. Um, I just made the decision in the last couple of months I am no longer accepting custom it's just physically it's too much on my body mm -hmm. I've got a 30 inch head and I'm short <laughs> <laughs> so you know I just made the decision that there's no reason to take them it, a lot of people have made that same choice obviously and, yeah. and part of it is like well if there's plenty of the business that I prefer that's available yeah then I don't like I can choose whether or not I want to do the work that I don't enjoy doing as much. Right. And there's a few customers that they bring me the most wonderful tops that are custom and they're like, have fun. And those I'm still taking, but the mm -hmm. ones that I just really don't enjoy the ones where I had to take the borders off and sew them back on because 
there was nothing else you could do with them. Those I'm not taking anymore. Okay. And what's your pricing structure? Is it is it all by the inch? And do you have different rates for different by types the inch. of by the inch? It I'm pretty do pretty much what the other people here in the city do because there's so many options. I feel like I have to keep it that way. Um, one of the ladies here in town, not too far from me, that does custom, she charges hourly for the custom. Mm -hmm. And she will give them an estimate. And if it looks like she's going to go, you know, too drastically one way or another, she'll give them a call. Mm -hmm. um, what would you say your total charge for an average queen size quilt is? In that one seventy five to two hundred dollar neighborhood. Okay. Yep. And in your worst year, uh, how many quilts or how many dollars uh, did you do? I guess that might have been your first year, huh? It was my first year. I got the machine early in January, and I did about fifty quilts that year. And mm -hmm. then every year since then, it's higher. Um, I was blessed. I saw the few little snippets of the videos that came out of Houston about a year and a half ago when you introduced the Ascend, and I was all ears. Um, my Ascend, Dwayne Karen uh, installed it in February a year and a half ago. That Ascend has made a big difference for me. Mm -hmm. A very positive difference. So what would you say your earnings were in your best year? That might be this last year. I don't know. Yeah, it's it's this current year is going to be the best year. I do in those 150 quilts. I think I'm sitting at about 130 so far this year. But I also I was raised on a veteran's pension. My dad passed when I was a child. So I faithfully do quilts of valor. I have a policy with my regular customers. If you bring me a quilt that is going to a veteran, I will put an edge to edge on it for free. Doesn't have to be through Quilts of Alver. Um, it's just my way of giving back to the guys. Mm -hmm. So not all the quilts I do are paid. I do a lot for myself. I'm trying to clean out UFOs. <laughs> and you then, and everyone else. <laughs> yes. Well, my guild this year sponsored a UFO um, contest. I won it. I did 20 by the end of June. So I was able to really kind of get some things off my plate. And my mom's now in long-term care. And it's a facility that has a lot of Medicaid residents. And a lot of the residents don't have family. So tomorrow when I go to visit, I drop off six throw size quilts at the activities director. They use them for bingo prizes. Mm. And it the ladies really enjoy them. But then I also feel like everybody knows mom's daughters brings them. So she gets a little extra attention, which is kind of a bonus. That's nice. So, yeah, it allows me to do some of the things that I want to do for me as a person. Mm-hmm. Um, Sarah asked a question in the Q and a, do you feel you have to do something to differentiate yourself from other quilters to increase your business? I would say the customer service. 
Mm. Most of my referrals are from my current customers. Um, I belong to a couple of the guilds here in town. I try to faithfully bring quilts to show and tell, put things in the local quilt shows, um, things like that. But as far as, you know, I've never advertised. I've never had to, you know, do a booth or things like that. It's just all, there's enough quilting in my area. Mm -hmm. I'll and, ask Janice the same question. If you felt like you need to do something to differentiate yourself from other quilters. Um, I think my custom quilting is probably what That's I That's a big one. It is. Yep. Yeah. And this other question is good for both of you as well. So Janice, um, do you have any special way you return a quilt to a customer? Customized wrapping, boxed or special mailable packaging, anything special that she should worry about for mailing quilts? This is from Sally. If I mail a quilt back to someone, it's always wrapped in plastic and packaged, you know, nicely. I'm not going to wrap it up like a present, but it's it's going to return to them safe, mm -hmm. depending on what the weather could throw at you. But, you know, I don't want something getting wet or damaged, but it would definitely get wrapped in plastic. Because mm -hmm. I've I had quilts just thrown in the box and mailed to me without any... Yeah. Any kind of, I mean, it doesn't need padding or anything, but it needs to be wrapped up so it's safe from the elements of the weather. Yeah. The ones that you hand over um, person to person, are they in a bag or anything? I do have large uh, paper bags that I, I put the quilt in mm -hmm. after they've seen it when they come. Dottie, your thoughts on packaging? I used to have a good supply of large Ziploc bags with a handle. Mm -hmm. And with COVID, those have disappeared. So I have struggled. I've gone to the dry cleaner bags. Um, but I try to put it in something clear. I will fold the quilt so that the piecing is out and you can see the quilting on it. Um, so that it does look nice in the bag. Particularly if I'm delivering a quilt when I go to Quilt Guild or something like that, um, if I'm delivering it at Quilt Guild, I don't normally trim a quilt, but I will always ask those customers, do you want me to trim the quilt for you? And I'll do it at no charge so that they've then got it for show and tell. Mm -hmm. um, do you, let's see. One other question that I have here uh, for both of you, I think how many of your quilts are local and how many are sent in? My guess is that it's over 90% local or even 95%. But what, what would you guys say? I am 100% local. Mm -hmm. I get probably two quilts a year mailed to me. Mm -hmm. Not, not very much. Because you're willing to do custom. That's why. They could find anybody to do an edge to edge yeah. closer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, Dottie, uh, do you provide or sell supplies like uh, batting, wide back fabrics, et cetera? I do not 
And part of that is my background in retail. The quilt shop here in town that is nice enough to supply my name on a list, they sell those things. You don't want to compete with them. I don't want to compete with them. And I think because of that, they tend to give my name out a little bit more. Sure. Do you offer any other services like binding or piecing the backings or piecing piece a t-shirt backs, quilt? I will do binding. I machine sew it on the front for them to hand finish. One of the little things that I do is I will pin the miters in the corner when I hand the quilt back because people struggle with that. It'll take me maybe 10 minutes, but it makes it easier for them when they go to do the hand stitching. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What was the hardest part of growing your business? One of the things I struggled with because I'm on a computerized system was where to buy the designs, which sounds a strange thing. I tend to do modern quilts, so I know where I could go for the modern designs. But 12 years ago, If somebody brought me a custom quilt, I can remember the first time I got a Dresden plate. I didn't know where to find point to point blades to put in there. So Mm. I think that was one of the biggest learning curves I had. Now with the Gamble Cloud, that's kind of one of the first places I will check because there's such a variety there and so many different designers. Mm -hmm. I often forget, too, how hard it used to be to find patterns just because it hasn't been an issue for a long time. But, I, yeah. yeah, I remember if you didn't know the name of it, it could be real oh, difficult would, to find it. And you go to one person's website and you could search for an hour, not find anything. And then you go to another company's website. And, I mean, I just felt like that was a big time drain for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now I have a better handle on what to find where. Hmm. Um. What is one change in technology that makes it easier today than it was when you started? One of the big things is the accessibility of the education. Mm-hmm. When the pandemic hit and Gamma went to doing the twice daily little 10 to 15 minute snippets, that was my lunch entertainment. Um, we'd drive through somewhere and my husband would hear whoever was doing the program that day, but it was in a small amount. It wasn't a big block of time. And it was just so nice to have that education. That was one of the biggest things that I felt like was missing when I got my machine. Mm -hmm. I mean, I learned the edge to edge, but to learn to do the custom and I will take an edge to edge design and I'll do a lot of manipulation with it. Um, and not use it maybe the way somebody else would have he- will use it. Mm-hmm. So my customers, particularly the modern ladies here in town, they know they will get a unique look when they get their quilt back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's cool. Um, who was your biggest cheerleader and your support system? My husband's a good support, but as far as a quilty cheerleader, It's a very good friend, the one that twisted my arm and said, you need to buy that machine. And, you know, in St. Louis, we have some wonderful Statler owners. I was doing a personal quilt earlier this summer and I kind of reached a point. It's like, okay, phone a friend. 
And I called a girlfriend on a Sunday afternoon and I said, help Mr. Wizard. And she talked me through it. And I went back and changed one little thing. And it made all the difference in how I was able to get the quilt to turn out. Yeah, so, yeah. that's cool. The quilting friends that you make in this journey is really something else. And we have these Facebook groups now, too. If you don't have friends in your backyard, obviously, the St. Louis area, there's a lot of people, right? Yeah. But there's a lot of people in rural areas. So, yeah. And the Facebook groups, the questions are good, but I read through every single answer. And you learn so much from all the answers. Mm -hmm. Yep. What kind of impact has the quilting money and the control of your personal schedule made in your life? You've already touched on this some. Yeah, it's made a big difference to be able to take care of my mom. Um, she's been in a facility now for eight years. And to just be able to drop in um, and to know she's getting good care, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, it just means the world to me. My husband is also an only child and we have his mom here in town and then we have a stepmom and we're the only kids in town. So that's a lot on our plate. And it makes it nice to know if, you know, there's a doctor's appointment, we can handle it. And mm -hmm. he doesn't have to take off work. I'm the one that puts a little later that night. <laughs> right. Right. What is something that you wish someone would have told you when you first started? Just do it. And Somebody did tell you that. Yes, yeah, that's what I said. She, <laughs> I refer to her as my quilty big sis. Um, and she's the exact same age my older sister would be. And she's just my quilty big sis. We talk probably two or three times a week. And it's just a wonderful support system since I've lost my siblings, just to be able to have a girlfriend that understands what I do, that supports what I do. Um, she offered a lot of very good advice in the beginning. When I would go to a quilt show, she said, look at the top, but look at the quilting. And I thought that was very good advice. Um, because sometimes you look at the quilting and the quilting is beautiful, but it doesn't talk to the top. Mm -hmm. Or you see a beautiful top and the quilting just doesn't do the top justice. So by studying the two together, I think that was a real good education for me with how I want things to look when I'm done with it. Mm -hmm. I've got a couple other questions here um, that we've gotten. Um, both of you will do binding on a quilt. Um, Dottie, how do you calculate the charge for that? I charge by the linear inch. Um, I'm not sure how competitive I am. I do 10 cents a linear inch to machine sew it on the front and let them hand finish it. I am not comfortable sewing it on on the long arm. I know people that do it. I just never, do it the old fashioned way. Never really uh, jumped on that bandwagon. I've uh, done it on cherry quilts, but I've just never felt 100% comfortable doing it. 
Mm-hmm. Haven't done Jan- it enough. Janice, how do you charge? Um, I charge by the linear inch also, mm-hmm. but more than 10 cents. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think it's more like 15 cents if I okay. stitch it to the front and they hand sew it to the back. Um, mm-hmm. If I do do it by machine, I usually do like a faux piping binding, Okay, which takes time more time to make the binding, but it's easier to stitch it when you're stitching in that ditch on the front. Yeah. And uh, that's just the way I prefer to do it. Um, did either of you, uh, I'll, well, start with Janice and then, uh, did you, uh, find yourself needing to do anything special with your insurance policy for doing the quilting in your home and maybe meeting customers in the home? Yeah, I do have insurance. Yeah. Um, Is that through the same agent that does your normal other policies? They do all of our insurance for the house and vehicles. Um, That's pretty common. You, you have to, if you're, if, I mean, I think we have a million dollar max if someone would fall and get hurt while they're here. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's not that expensive to have that policy. It's not, no. And it also, the insurance does cover the machine Mm -hmm. and equipment. Although I don't usually have it plugged in if I'm not using it, Mm -hmm. which we've had lightning strike a transformer just across the street from our house. And we lost several things in the house that were electronic. The machine was not plugged in. So I didn't have to worry about that. Yep. Lightning will hit anything that's plugged in. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and I see Dottie nodding along. Yeah. Okay. Very similar. Yep. So, so Dottie, my last question for you, um, what advice would you give to someone who wants to do like you've done And do you believe that in 2023, it's still possible for anyone to do this? I do, because I've seen people here in the metro area get machines in the last couple of years and really just take off running. Um, There's a young woman, I say young, younger than me, in um, Illinois, right over the river. And she's been at it for three years now. And she has a wonderful reputation. She will do the custom. Mm-hmm. And she has, you know, doesn't think anything about crossing the river to come over here. There's bridges. That's it. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so um, thank you guys so much. Uh, before the viewers go away, I just want to uh, touch on real quickly that this is a uh, webinar that we're doing every week at this time. Um, we're taking the recorded audio and making a podcast out of it. And so if you have friends that you want to share this with, um, obviously on your pod clap, like I use the Apple podcasts on my phone. And so you can go on there and search for quilting business success and it'll come right up and then you can subscribe to it. And so if you Uh, watch this today and you really want to be able to share it with one of your friends or have your husband listen to it so that he knows where you're getting these crazy ideas from, uh, you can uh, find that podcast. And that way the audio, it's pretty easy to like listen to in the car or something. You don't have to sit there and watch the video. And plus Dottie and Janice would probably prefer that you, (laughs) um, that you listen instead of watching the video. 
All right. Well, um, thank you so much for, for being here today. Um, the, the things that you've done take courage because people, uh, people don't realize, well, maybe they do that. It was terrifying to borrow money from your kids. It was terrifying to, uh, bite off this large purchase and courage is not the absence of fear. It's looking at the fear square in the face and deciding, you know what, I'm going to do what I believe I can do. So anyway, you guys are courageous. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you for being here. And I'm, I don't have a fancy way to close this out. I should have a benediction at the end or something, but uh, we'll see y'all next week. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us today on Quilting Business Success. We hope you've been inspired by these stories of quilters just like you who have turned their dreams into reality. If you enjoyed today's show, don't forget to subscribe so that you don't miss any episodes. One of the best things you can do to support us is to write a glowing review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever platform you're using to listen to the show. Those reviews help bring us up in the algorithm so that more quilters are exposed to our show. What would you like to change in your life, and what steps can you take today to bring you closer to the life that you want?